Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at. Welcome to another episode of Advantage Connors. Brett Connors here with Jimmy Connors. How are you today? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm back in California. Made a little trip down you know, to uh, Palm Beach to uh, get away for a couple of days. Got to see Aubrey. Mom went, went with me down there this time, so she got to see Aubs and place and and her her dog Frankie and all the cats and and uh, got to spend a few days got away from uh, Santa Barbara but uh, got back last night uh, that's a long trip I will say coming back this way by the time you leave the hotel and pull up in the yard it's about uh, I don't know 11 12 hours so a little tired today, but uh, glad to be back with you. I'm glad you had a good trip down there. Saw saw Obs and Casey and the pups. I saw Aubrey sent me a video of uh, Frank and mom. Frank, the, her dog is his biggest mom. She was like jumping up on her. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh-huh. yeah he's about 80 pounds now. I think he's a little over a year old and uh, high energy, 80 pounds. And, uh, you know, we, we have Bogey, uh, our, our little schnauzer. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't uh, dish out a lot of kisses. He, uh, you know, he likes being around and being close. But, you know, he's he's pretty selfish giving out kisses. But Frankie, <laughs> oh, my God, mom came home. She she says, uh, you know, I, I, I just had a good cleaning. You know, got a lot of kisses on the face. And and uh, it was uh, quite a change from, from our little bogey. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time, four or five days. You know, it was long enough at the time. And uh, looking forward to going back again. Be fun. Nice. Yeah. You, uh, you chose a good day to come home on. I'm, uh, sitting here in robe life. I got my robe on. It's a uh, cloudy. It rained a lot last night. Kind of think this might be the last good rain that we see in California, maybe till the fall. seems like this might be the last effort. So, uh, wanted to enjoy it. It's cozy. Got my uh, warm tea and I'm ready to talk some advantage Connors with you. So I know you've been on the road traveling, doing a lot. Uh, so you probably haven't been watching a lot of the Miami open, uh, so I just wanted to kind of update. I don't want to talk too much specifics because we'll put this out tomorrow and then, you know, some of the results will be dated. But some of the players who are doing well are some of the players who did well in Indian Wells. Uh, Elena Rybakina still going. She gets uh, Jessica Pagula later tonight. I'm going in in about an hour and a half to work that match. And also our guy, Carlos Carlitos Alcaraz has been rolling along. He plays Taylor Fritz. So we'll see how they go. Let me see what else. Medvedev keeps rolling along. I heard an interesting, uh, or actually read uh, something interesting that Alcaraz had to say. They said, who was his hero? Did you happen to see that, Brett? Uh, I, I didn't. So, well, who did he say? Stallone. Really? I said, how, how interesting is that? I mean, but look at some of the movies that he's put out, from from Rocky to First Blood to uh, Rambo to, and now with Tulsa Kings. I mean, he's... He's high energy and, and, you know, stay in there and, and do what, do what it takes to, to come out on top and, and to, you know, know where you stand. And I mean, that's uh, that, that was a pretty interesting pick out of, uh, out of politics, out of other sports, out of, out of business, out of, you know, he picks Stallone and, and uh, you know, obviously from the inspiration of his movies, pretty interesting. What do you think of that? Yeah, I like it. Um, I like uh, Stallone. Um, you know, I kind of like the Tango and Cash version of uh, of him. If you remember that movie with Kurt Russell when they went to prison. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Remember the movie Tango and Cash, where he's the crooked, or he's the cop. He gets framed. He gets put in jail. Uh, Jack Palance is the uh, the the crooked uh, warden or whatever it is. So yeah, I like Stallone. Um, you know, he gets kind of thought of as just you know he does a lot of those action movies, but. What got him into the limelight was, you know, being smart. He wrote Rocky. You know, people just think yeah. he, he acted in it, but he wrote it. And instead of selling it for, 
whatever at the time, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I think they tried to buy him out of it. They really didn't want him to act in it. And so, you know, they offered him, you know, two, 300,000, Hey, we'll buy the script. Just don't act in it. And he said, nah, like it's, it, you know, it's a combo deal. I gotta, you get the script, you get me. And thankfully he did that. And now he's, uh, you know, become Carlitos's hero, which is a, an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I go back and, and, and look at that. And I, and uh, I, I remember that story also that they wanted to buy him out of that. And, but all those, the Rockies and, and the Rambos would, wouldn't have been without him. I mean, he's, he's the one that, you know, got into the character and made the character what it was. And, you know, the, uh, in Rocky, the, you know, the going, the rise to the top and what it took to, you know, to take somebody from the streets to the, you know, uh, you know, to number one and, and, uh, you know, the, the heartwarming, you know, that, uh, you know, you see something like that and you believe it. Uh, and, and he made you believe that. Uh, so, you know, if, if you see that that can happen and, and, and you know, Alcarez chooses that as, a, as an inspiration, I mean, you know, just think of the drive that he's going to have when he walks out onto a tennis court mm-hmm. and, and, and he has, you know, not only the game, but that, that mental uh, drive and that toughness. Oh, there I go again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but he has that mental drive and, and toughness to, to stay in there and grind out all those matches that, uh, that he plays against all these players that he's against now. So mm-hmm. yeah, not a bad pick. I'm, I'm all for that pick. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, he continues to play well. I mean, uh, he's got a tough match against Fritz tonight, but a lot of the men's side is shaping up like Indian Wells. I mean, Sinner's already there waiting for the winner of Fritz Alcaraz, so we might get a rematch of Alcaraz-Sinner. Interested to see the Miami courts seem to be playing a lot faster than Indian Wells. Uh, I saw a quote from Sarundalo, the guy who made semifinals, and now he's in the quarters this year against Kachanoff. They're actually playing right now. Um, he said the, it's like two different tournaments. He's like last year compared to this year. He's like last year was way slower. This year's a lot faster. So just interested to see the difference court speeds when center plays Alcaraz because I think that's kind of it, what it's going to be interesting to hear Medvedev then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because wasn't he complaining in uh, yep. in Indian Wells about the court being you know maybe even slower than before? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he's doing well too. He probably looks like it's going to be him versus catching off on the, on that side. And then either Fritz, uh, or, or, uh, Alcaraz versus center. Um, and oh. then on the women's side, we got, uh, Rybakina. She just keeps rolling along our girl, Elena. Yeah, how about that? Just Good hand, for her. Yep. Handling her business. Uh, Jessica Pagula saved some match points, uh, the other night. So she's, they have a good match later tonight. And then Serana Sirstea takes out our girl Sabby yesterday in straight sets, I think four and four. She's had an amazing run. Uh, you know, she beat, I think, uh, who'd she beat? No, Garcia twice in a row. She beat Garcia at Indian Wells, then this week. So Cerstea is waiting for the winner of Kvitova Alexandrova. Kvitova is up a set right now. Uh, talk to me about what uh, any of that stuff. What do you think? Well, uh, Kvitova, uh, that, there's a name from the past, uh, you know, coming out and, and playing some decent tennis now too, right? So yep. uh, that might be a good start, but when she likes those faster courts, the, the, her doing well kind of makes you think that the courts must be playing, you know, decently fast because, you know, she doesn't like those good, long, slow, kind of uh, grindy. Point, because didn't with a grand slam she won, was it at uh, Wimbledon? Didn't she win Wimbledon? Twice. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, those faster courts, uh, you know, are, are going to do her uh, some good. So, yeah, but but it's it's interesting. It's a, it's a good couple of weeks going from from Palm Springs on the, on the hard courts to down to Miami to get, uh, you know, the, the couple of weeks back to back. So you kind of get into a little rhythm and a little flow of, of how your game is going to match up to the surface. Even, even though 
both surfaces are the same, and we talk about that all the time. But uh, you know, to have Miami uh, uh, go to a little faster is kind of that's that's interesting because you know with Medvedev coming out and, and saying what he said about the the course being a little uh, maybe too slow for his liking in Palm Springs, and you know maybe you know that's going to start changing a little bit to where the courts are going to uh, be a little bit faster as opposed to. You know, uh, uh, so many long and and uh, slower uh, points and, and hard hitting, a little more variety and and uh, you know, little little shorter points. So might be might be interesting. Be interesting to see you know how that catches on. Not only now, but uh, you know, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I like the the variety of court speeds. I like it when you know, okay, now this week this, these players are going to be tough, you know, or in the next week, well, they're not going to be so tough because it slows down, or vice versa, or whatever it is. You know, it's cool to have like the different varieties and and strategies, and and the, you know, then different players can bubble up and do well. Uh, one player who's done really well this week is um, Mr. Chris Eubanks, the American young American guy. He went to college, uh, Georgia Tech. I think he's like 24, mm-hmm. 25, something like that, um, has been a announcer for Tennis Channel. I've worked with him a little bit. He's a really nice guy. Um, came through the qualifying and made the quarters, losing, wow. losing today to, uh, to Medvedev. I think that's what it was, quarters. But uh, either way, he's into the top 100, and then all of a sudden he's in the top 90. Now he's, I think, 86 in the world. His dad uh, said something like, "Try to get just just try and get out of the first round," and uh, <laughs> and he ends up making, uh, I think, like the quarterfinals, which is you know pretty damn good. Yeah, heck yeah! In, in a in a Masters one thousand tournament like that, you know the the rounds start tough from the very beginning, and you know and, and uh, but you know what I like what you said, Brad, is that he came through the qualies. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, so he he was he was matched tough when uh, you can look at that two ways. One, he came through the qualies; he might be a little tired. But I, I would look at it like he came through the qualies. You've had to play a couple matches to get just to get into the main draw. So he was he was kind of match tough right away, right, you know, going into the first round. Because, you know, I, I remember, you know, our conversation with uh, with our buddy Bjorn Borg, where he said, you know, when he got into Wimbledon, you know, the first couple rounds, that's when you wanted him. Mm-hmm. You know, before before he got in, before he got his rhythm and got into the into the flow of the tournament. Well, uh, you know, he he went from the qualies right into it because he, and his flow was going. So he, he might have caught a, a couple guys off guard, which, uh, you know, which is sometimes is pretty good. Yep. Yep. And then also, I think, uh, I mean, he's a big guy. He's like six, seven. And, you know, he goes for his shots. He's he's not a long rally guy. Um, I think that also kind of proves the the court speed being a little fast, which which makes Sabalenka's loss more surprising. I mean, Sersta is a you know she's not a big power hitter. She's you know steady and and you know keeps balls in play and and is really athletic and fast. Um, but Sabalenka seems mm-hmm. to be one of those players right now where, except for maybe against like Iga, a couple players, the the matches on her racket, you know, because of her big shots and going right. for it. Like if if she's hitting that day and not double faulting, then she's going to be tough to beat. But if she's, you know, going for the line and, and missing by a little and throwing in six double faults like she did in the, in the two sets the other day at bad times, then, you know, then she's going to take herself out. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what that's what uh, Poncho always used to call. You got to you got to tighten up your game, uh, you know, and, and know that, you know, when when it comes down to it, you know, you got to get the ball in play. You got to make your opponent beat you instead of giving away too many free points, you know, double faults. Three points, miss and return of serves, free points, you know, especially second serves. So, you know, if, if uh, but you know, that's growing, that's learning, you know, the experience and, 
you know, having your team understand that also that, you know, can kind of get that through to her that, look, we got to work on making sure that you're not losing it, that, that if you don't win, that your opponent's beating you and you're not giving it to them. And so if she tightens up her game a little bit and, uh, uh, and, and goes and goes through that and, and it, it might take a minute, you know, to, to get over, you know, some of the flaws because let's face it, you know, tennis, no, you never reach perfection in that you're trying to, and that's why we're out there practicing and working and, yeah. and, uh, you know, to try to counteract all that, but, you know, she'll get, she'll get over that. And, and once she figures that out, then, you know, she's going to be tough on a day. She's already tough on a daily basis, but just going to take her to another level. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wonder though, you know, like when we talk to Bjorn, cause like in my mind, I'm like, if I'm her coach, I'm like, look, Sabby, if you get out there and you're missing serves and you, you're like, fuck, I'm, thir- I'm 75% today, you know, like, you know, you're not a hundred percent. You know, are you, is she the kind of player you can say, hey, uh, you know, pull it back, keep some balls in play, you know, go 85% on the first serve or, you know, whatever, just make sure you don't double, you know, like, is she the type of player that can kind of pull back and play like a second kind of game, you know, where like all of a sudden she needs to keep more balls in play, you know, maybe doesn't rely on her power and ending points quick so much, you know, cause that's kind of what she is, you know, and like when Bjorn said, mm-hmm. like a lot of the players, they just play the one way cause that's how they know to play it so great. Is is Sabby the type of player who you think has the ability to do that? Because she's a good clay court player. She has good clay court results. And, uh, you know, she won, I mean, you know, didn't win runner up last week in Indian Wells where those courts are slower than this week. So, you know, right. she can do well on the courts that, you know, take longer rallies and, and, are, and you know, more, uh, you know, longer points. But um, what do you think? I, I think sometimes, uh, and and you know, I, I know I was guilty of this, and and uh, you know, talking talking to Bjorn also. Sometimes you you get in such a rhythm where you think you have to go for a shot or go for a winner a little uh, a little bit too soon, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And and well, whoops, I'm in a position, or I'm wait, I'm winded, or you know, something might go through your mind. So I'm going to go for that a little bit too soon, and and which puts a little bit too much pressure on yourself to make the shot as opposed to maybe hitting one more shot or two more shots and waiting for a, a better chance. Right. Uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of, you know, the mental part of the game and, you know, being able to, to say, listen, I, I can withstand almost anything, uh, you know, being in good shape and being able to take whatever my opponent gives to me. You know, it's easy to sit here in this chair and say, you know, that's what she has to do. But I think, and it's like uh, Bjorn said, that if you had a plan B and, maybe, and even a plan C, and it doesn't have to be that much difference in it from your normal game. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's your normal game with a, just a little variety somewhere along the line, whether it's you know keeping a, a one or two more uh, balls in play or not going for such a big shot as a winner and letting your opponent actually Beat run it down, but then the next shot just opens your court. So, I mean, there's a, you know, a lot, of, lot of ways to do that, but you know, but, uh, you know, like I said before, you, you know, you got to play the game that got you there. Right. Uh, and, and whatever that is, you got to make sure you do that really well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Cause with Sabby, it's not like, you know, sometimes when you'll be like, ah, you know, she goes for a little too much. You're like, you're not saying she needs to hit eight more balls, but just maybe like no. one more ball, you know, like, exactly. you, like she already has the advantage to where she thinks she can go for the winner you know, put, put her in the corner one more time or go behind her. And then the, you know, then the next shot's going to be even that much easier for her. Right. So, well, yeah, you know, like, like I said, you know, experience, experiences, uh, 
uh, is very valuable, uh, you know, but sometimes by the time you get all that experience, you're too damn old to do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> but I think, you, you know, so, I think you're right. I think this year so far for Sabby has been great. You know what I mean? Like she started off the year undefeated. She gets her first slam. She gets a title before that down under, you know, and then, uh, and then, you know, whatever takes a loss, uh, to Krychikova in a good match, but then comes back good result in Indian Wells, you know, plays Rybakina. That's going to be a little bit of a rivalry. I feel like, you know, there's, there's similar, mm -hmm. similar style players, big hit the ball, hard, good servers, you know, and then, and then like this week, okay, she loses to her state, but like, I think all the things she's done, she's gained some new experience, like getting the slam coming from a set down, right. a runner up at another masters 1000 against somebody she's going to see a lot, you know, so she gets to play her again. You know, and this is just a little a, a little trip up, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. I just uh, I like talking no. about her because because she, she's a fun player and uh, and we like her. So, okay, yeah, I agree. I I agree. Before we move on, give me your winners from Miami. Oh, give me your winner. Are you going to go oh, against? Uh, the, the, there's a chance for two sunshine doubles. Elena and uh, Carlos are still alive. So, do they both get it? Does one get it? Do neither? Tell me. I, I think I think that uh, it, it, it's going to be Medvedev once again against uh, Alcaraz. Okay, and and uh, which is uh, is going to be interesting. And and actually, I would like to see that because I would like to to see how Medvedev bounces back from from uh, uh, the hammering that he got in, in Indian Wells. Yeah, that's a good call to see the adjustments he would make. Yep, yep, I'd be interested in see that. And let's see what in the women's you said, uh, uh it's uh, Rybakina and Pagula. And then it looks mm. like it's going to be Kvitova uh, against Sersteya. Actually, I'd like to see Kvitova get to the final. Yeah. I, I would love to see that. It you know, would be, you know, old school player and, and somebody that stayed in there and really, you know, uh, went through some tough times and now coming back against these young kids and, you know, willing, she's been willing to pay the price you know, to, to get her game back in order and her conditioning and, and everything to, to be able to compete against the, uh, the great young player. So, you know, for her to get to the finals, that would be exciting. Yep. And, and to see if, if, if her stamina, you know, to hold up over a, over a 10 or 12 day tournament, uh, you know, like a, like a Miami and especially also down in that heat, it's hot down there. And yeah, that would true. be uh, a boy, what a, what a boost for her. That would be exciting. Yep. She's, uh, she's playing right now. She's up a set against Alexandrova. So she hasn't made it to the semis yet, but, uh, oh, my mistake. No, it's okay. It's okay. But I mean, yep. it's, it's still good talking points. Um, I mean, I like Kvitova a lot too. I think the fact the way she handled the whole, you know, breaking into her house, stabbing thing is unbelievable. It's like kind of the most unreported on right. sports story in like the last 10 years or so 20 years, it feels like to me, cause she handled it so well and just kind of was low key about it. Um, and then on the other side, Pagula Rybakina fascinates me. I think Pagula is two and O against her maybe. Mm. And, uh, Pagula saved match points in a long match the other night against Potapova. She's, I like watching Pagula. She's a grinder and she just keeps, you know, getting wins yeah. over big players. And so I'm interested to see that one. Cause you know, is Rybakina eventually, is she going to get tired? You know, cause she keeps winning You know, she wins Indian Wells travels, comes here, just keeps on winning. You know, is she eventually going to hit a wall or is she going to be able to just, you know, take this hot streak, uh, you know, onto another, you know, masters 1000 title. What do you think? Well, I, you know, when, when I was on a roll, I liked staying on it, uh, you know, playing, you know, I didn't, you know, win a tournament and then say, well, I better take a week or two off. And, you know, I wanted to play another tournament. I wanted to keep my, you know, my streak and my conditioning and my confidence going. And, uh, you said it right, Pagula, she's a, she's a grinder. 
you know, she's willing to stay in there and, and uh, do what it takes to try to get stuck in the match. But uh, yeah, it's going to be, if, if this streak keeps going, I mean, she's got to be playing with a lot of confidence now winning last week and now coming into this tournament and still playing at that level. So that's, uh, that's, that's going to be an interesting match. That's uh, whoever wins that match. Ooh, that's going to, that's going to uh, take a lot out of them, but it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Definitely. Yeah. Two and zero. they actually played here last year. Pagula got her in straights. So uh, looking forward to working that one. We expanded our menu. Now choose from 30 plus recipes weekly with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box without changing your plan. Vegan one day, keto the next, it's all good. Craving more servings of a favorite recipe? Now you can double the portions in your weekly order with just one click. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. With Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by up to 38% versus grocery shopping. What I love about Green Chef is that it's easy. I work a lot, I'm on the go, I don't have a lot of time to get to the store and cook, so I like the fact that when I get home, the box is there, I come home, I take it all out, put it in the fridge, and I'm ready to go. Green Chef is the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. We offset 100% of our carbon footprint, as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Go to greenchef.com slash Connor60 and use code Connor60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So I don't have that much time. So let's move on from the tennis. So you like Alcaraz and Med? Who do you who do you think's winning? I, you know what? I want to take Medvedev this week because okay. the court's a little faster, a little faster. Okay. And and even though I want to see how he how he changes from uh, from the hammering he got last week, I I think he I think he can. I think he will. Uh, I think he learned something from that uh, from that match last week, and and uh, he's going to use it to his advantage. Okay. I'll I'll take Carlitos for a friendly fiver. What do you say? You, you got it. Okay, good. You, you, you got it. And, <laughs> and then on the other side, I'll give you the pick. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm not going, I'm going to say they both get sunshine doubles because that's a fun storyline and I get to work it and it's more fun. And then if Pagula gets there and wins, that's fine with me too. If, uh, if Medvedev wins, it's fine. And Kvitova wins. I mean, everyone who's still in it, I like, so, but I'm yeah. going to say two good. sunshine doubles. We'll be talking about it next week. Sounds good. That's two good picks. <laughs> That's, all right. All right. You're on five bucks. Okay. Let's move on. Final four this weekend. Oh. I haven't actually been watching too much of it. I've been working a lot. I've been kind of busy, but wanted to get your take. No seed higher than a four. First time in a long time. I think since 19, first time since seeding began in 79 that no one, two or three seeds have made it to the final four. Right. It's, it's crazy. Right. And, yep. and uh, back in the day, brother, you know, the final, the final four, and uh, let's go back before that. March Madness was one of our one of our favorite times of the year. It was mm-hmm. you know uh, getting stuck into you know all the games and so forth. But I just came from South Florida, and, and South Florida is alive. I bet you know they have uh, Florida Atlantic, uh, a, very, a small school in Boca Raton, Florida, which is you know made it to the final four, and also Miami. Uh, is in the final four. They play. Uh, they play Connecticut and Florida Atlantic plays uh, San Diego. So I mean, if uh, if the South Florida double would come through, oh my God, uh, the excitement down there would be incredible. But you know, UConn is good. San Diego is good. So you know, let's face it. When you get to the final four, you know, you're you're producing your best game, and and all your players are are firing on all cylinders, and had to play great basketball to get there, and. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that the, the games are 
all they should be to to live up to the final four because if if that'd be the case uh, the long shot of florida atlantic mm-hmm. would be an amazing would be an amazing story totally uh, and and uh yeah it would be that would be fun to see and but uh but but connecticut is uh, is as we know is tough and uh, we'll see where that goes yeah uconn definitely has the the most prestige having won you know multiple multiple national titles in the past they have probably the best talent i guess if you were to break it down but florida atlantic would be great any one of the other three teams would be great because San Diego State's just down the road. I have a lot of buddies from high school, went to San Diego State and spent a lot of time down there. Uh, Miami's cool because, you know, they haven't been that good in a long time. Normally considered a football school and we used to live in Miami and then Florida Atlantic. And, and, and you know, our friend Eddie Dibbs, who went to the University of Miami, is going to be watching every shot. Yep. I wonder, does he have a future bet on it? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll call him and ask him. Yeah, we got to get him on the show, man. He's one of the guys we definitely got to get. But uh, FAU, do you remember when I, uh, I I went to Arizona for a couple years and then I, I left Arizona and worked for about two years and then I was looking to go back to school to finish and uh, we were in Florida for a trip and I went and looked at a couple schools. Miami was one and then actually one was Florida Atlantic yeah, uh, up the coast course. in Boca with my buddy yes. Todd Bernhagen. Uh, we went and checked it out and uh, had a little fun up there. So it's cool to see. It's kind of, you know, and, and my buddy, my photographer friend who we met last week in uh, Indian Wells, Mauricio, he does a lot yes. of work. He lives right, right close by. He does a lot of work for their athletic department and uh, puts up a lot of great pictures. So I know he'll be following and, and pumped to see how they do. So uh, who do you like? Give me your pick. I'm taking Florida Atlantic. I like it. I like the story. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, they... Uh, and I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. I'm not like that because, you know, I, I follow it, but, you know, not like I used to. But the story would be amazing for, for college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that a program like that has been able to, you know, to come out and to compete with all the, you know, the high powered, uh, you know, college programs, you know, from Connecticut to Alabama to Michigan to Michigan Duke State, to, you know, you, you, you name it, Duke and and NC State, and uh, just you know, name every high-powered basketball school in the country, and and the little in Florida Atlantic has come out to compete with that. that that's that's amazing. Yep, uh, I think UConn's going to win. So I guess if I had to pick, I'd say UConn. But I want my heart would be with with FAU or San Diego State, just because I'm a Cali guy. So I always root for California teams uh, when they do well. So. Cool. We'll be watching that. We'll talk about it a little next week. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We'll be previewing more next week. We could just do a little bit today, but the Masters starts in about 10 days. What do you think about that? I got some oh, odds yeah. here. That's an exciting time of year, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and that's going to be interesting, you know, uh, with a lot of these good young players. Well, one, is Tiger going to play? You know, is, uh, and, and I guess the other thing is he hasn't played since since when, how many weeks has he taken off now? And is he going to be able to, you know, handle the walk and, right. you know, the four days and I mean, there's a lot of, you know, whirlwinds surrounding him still. Uh, and, and then you look at all the great young players, uh, not, you know, not the ones that we hear about, you know, the Justin Thomas and the Jordan Spieth and, and uh, you know, the players like that, but uh, you know, but the new names that are coming up that are, you know, trying to break in and, and, uh, and, and, and make their legacy, you know, by winning something like the masters. Uh, and, and so it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see yep. who's going to come out on top and, and, you know, and of course, let me give you some of the odds. John Rom's the favorite. He's like seven and a half to one. Scotty Scheffler. I think he won last year, right? Eight to one. Right. Wow. Rory, Rory McElroy, about nine to one. 
Cameron Smith, 12 to 1. Jordan Spieth, 15 to 1. Thomas, 16 to 1. Xander Shoffley, 18. Finau, 20. Here's one I like that I think I'm going to bet on every slam going forward is Will Zalatoris. He's 20 to 1. And I feel like mm-hmm. he's eventually going to win a slam. Like, and not like in, t- in the next 12 years, probably like in the next two years. And so I yeah, feel like he certainly has the game, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Is it? His putting, I guess sometimes I, you know, I know, uh, they talk about his putting, but, uh, you know, still he, he, uh, he has gotten to a certain level and, you know, the highest level in the game of golf. And, and, uh, you know, so I, you know, there, there can't be any part of his game that that's not exceptionally great, right? you know, it's just some parts are better than the other. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that pick. I like him. And the other one I like is Shoffley. Xander Shoffley. Yep. Shoffley. He's, he's a ball, a ball striker also. And, and, uh, it seems like he's at the top every, every major, he just, you know, brings his game and methodically goes about the way he plays and sticks with it. And, and, uh, you know, just brings it, you know, yep. all the time. So there's a lot like of guys. Too. There's a lot of guys. I mean, we didn't even get to Morikawa 22 to one Homa 22 Cantley 22 Dustin Johnson. You know, what about all the uh, live guys? I think this is yeah. uh, the first time a lot of them are going to be playing together. Cause we're in a lot of the majors early last year. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. uh, that, that'll be fun to watch Hideki 33 to one former champ. Um, so I'm, I'm a looking Hideki for, fan. I like him. Me anyway. too. I, I love him. I hope he does well. Me yeah. too. Um, so we'll get into yeah. that more next week, but I just wanted to, you know, remind everyone that we're excited here. Looking forward to it. Let's, uh, just skip around to some other sports news before we wrap up. Did you see the commanders? A couple NFL stories, commanders. There's a $6 billion bid on the commanders. Yeah. With that, a that's, B? Uh, that, that's amazing. Uh, we should have gotten into owning a football team back in the day, brother. <laughs> right. We should have bought in on the Lakers with uh, Jeannie. You know, I said, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that have been nice? Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that would be, be something. And, uh, you know, that, what a precedent that that's that, uh, you know, I know the value of uh, basketball and football, uh, the teams are incredible, but $6 billion, 6 billion, that's with a B mm-hmm. uh, that that's an amazing number. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't see why they wouldn't get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, if the team is competitive and you know, they get the right players and, and they create the interest and, uh, and the excitement, uh, you know, to draw the fans, why not? Do you think, do you think, cause it seems like it's a jump. I feel like, I don't know in, in exactly, but the last team had to be like four and a half billion. It feels like there's a decent sized jump in the price. Yeah. Do you think a right. little bit yeah. of that is because everybody wants to kind of get rid of Dan Snyder, the owner of the, the Washington commanders? Cause there's, you know, a lot of history with him. There's, you know, there's been this rumor kind of conspiracy story floating around that, you know, Snyder has dirt on a lot of the owners or on the NFL and, you know, he's like threatening to expose it or something like that. And so like, you know, I think a lot of the other owners just want him like out of the club. And so like that in a way is almost giving him leverage, right? Because he's like, Oh, you really want me out? Well, you better give me more money. Right. Right. Well, yeah, it could be, you know, it, listen, the, the team is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. Uh, you know, and then it's like a house or like a piece of land or, you know, like a car or whatever. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, you can put an asking price, uh, any asking price you want on anything. And, but if somebody's willing to pay for it, then, uh, if you set the price and, you know, let it go. You know, there's yep. a lot of, a lot of things you could do with, uh, with that kind of money, but, you know, but also, I mean, if he's been in there that long, it's gotta be a love of his, right. Don't you think the uh, owning a football team and right. And, I'm sure and he being does. In that, 
that club is, is something that he's loved and uh, it's going to, it's going to be hurtful to have him get rid of it. I think so. I mean, and I mean, think about it. The commanders aren't even like a, a winning team often, you know, like they haven't been that great the last 15, 20 years. And if they're getting 6 billion, what's a team like, I don't know, like the Patriots or, you know, the giants or some team, you know, with a, you know, a better uh, reputation, you know, chiefs, or whatever, right. you know, the Eagles, right, man. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a very good so point. So you're right. It's going to you set know? a precedent to where, like, if any of the other teams who have a better re- winning record or come from a bigger, you know, media market or whatever can demand more than $6 billion. Mm-hmm. So, mm, Boy, it'd be a good thing to keep an eye on. Yep. Yeah, we'll keep an eye. A couple AFC East tidbits here. My poor division, like I'm still waiting for it to become a weak division where maybe we're one of the top one or two teams, but looks like, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to end up going to the Jets. I don't think it's happened yet, but there's tons of rumors about it. Um, the Dolphins did sign Pro Bowl cornerback Jalen Ramsey, traded him from the Rams, got him. So now we have a really, really good secondary. We've gone all in with this roster. We've traded so many of our draft picks and cashed in our draft picks from the Laramie Tunsil trade and. And so, you know, now we have like everybody, we just need Tua to stay healthy and, and, you know, try and win some games. So what do you think about those two? Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, leaving Green Bay. I mean, that's, that, that was his scheme from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, for him to leave there and, and uh, you know, want to go to the Jets. Mm. Uh, it's, it, I can see, you know, being with a team, you know, for, for a long time that, you know, the players dissatisfied, the team's dissatisfied, but, you know, they, they've had a good run. They, they were Super Bowl champions and, you know, but, uh, but not a, as of late. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I guess sometimes it gets to the point where, you know, he might be, he's getting a little bit older and, you know, maybe they're thinking they want to do something different with their future. So to me, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, well, one, one of the best of the best, mm-hmm. you know, so for him to go to the jets uh, and, and uh, if they can, if they can have some good, receivers around him and a good line to protect him a little bit. I mean, he, they could do some damage there. And, and I know that might be, you know, uh, close to your heart, uh, to your Miami dolphins, but that, that, uh, that could be a difference in, you know, that team being a, you know, a contender or not, I think. Yeah. I think so. I mean, and, and every team in the AFC East is, is good. I mean, they're all deep. They all had, I think, winning records last year. I mean, the Patriots, Kind of battling it out with the Jets, but we'll see how it goes. Jalen Ramsey will be matching up against him in the secondary a couple times a year. A couple last things here before we go. I got to get in the shower and do the ad read. I got to do the ad read that uh-huh. you guys all love listening to and fast forwarding through, I'm sure. But um, one fun story. I went, I take Bella on night walks, you know, we do, it's called Neighborhood Watch. We walk around, I bring my golf mm-hmm. club just to keep safe. So we went up to 7-Eleven the other night to grab, you know, a couple snacks and some water coming around the corner, like right off of Olympic. We live like near Olympic and Sepulveda, which are two pretty big streets in Los Angeles. We come around the corner and sitting about 25, 30 feet away from us, just sitting in the middle of the street, looking at us is a coyote. Oh, you're kidding. Middle of Los Angeles. Yeah. And so uh, Bella's instinct is to run after it. So I have to kind of grab her. And so then I take my phone out and I start like you know, filming it because oh my god, the coyote right on my street. You know, like, <laughs> I got to get proof. You know, and so we start. It starts kind of walk walking away. So we start like walking towards our house because he's walking down that street away from us. And so we're walking, and Bella keeps trying to kind of go, and I have to keep her close, keep her close. I don't have her on a leash because I don't have it. Uh, you know, going. And so the we go, and it looks like he's gonna kind of go around this car and probably just take off. So we keep going, and he doubles back and comes around the car and comes like straight at us. And so oh, that, okay. oh my. Yeah. What, what, uh, what Bella do? Bella takes off after it. 
So like, right, it comes at us. So her instinct is, you know, play or what is that? Runs after it. And so now Bella is in between me and the coyote. So like I've lost control of the situation completely. Still rolling on the camera. Don't worry. Right. You know, oh, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah. and so but, like. Yeah, I, but Brother, well, we got to tell our listeners that for those who are just tuning in, Bella uh, is your your uh, three year old. Four year old. Uh, golden doodle. Yeah. Yep. The mascot. Yeah. Yeah, the mascot, right. The she's, advantage counter's mascot. She's napping right underneath the table with me right now. She's doing her little uh, nappy twitches with her face. She starts dreaming and stuff. So uh, so she takes off after it. Doll. Yeah, she's great. She takes off after it, and I panic, and I start running after it. And then it kind of gets scared and just kind of scampers off. And like I grab Bella and, and then we go inside the apartment and, and tell Melina all about it, you know? So, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was our coyote uh, story of the week. What do you think? I saw you put out a tweet. Before we go, talk to me about this tweet. I saw you put it up. It was a picture of you, Borg, McEnroe, and Lendl. And I'm guessing it was the Masters. What year was that? Yeah, it must have been uh, 1980, I think. Yeah. 80 or, or 81, somewhere around there. I know pretty close. And you yeah, said, what so, was your tweet said? You said, four badass motherfuckers. Yeah, well. MFers. Okay, sorry. Is that the way it came out? Mm-hmm. That's how I read it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that that uh, you know that that picture to me, you know, was you know we 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 were missing a few guys in there. You know, Nasty could have been in there. Vetus Gerolitis could have been in there. Belos could have been in there, you know, with us and and uh, all is a part of that. But you know, there there was a there was a time uh, you know when the when the four of us were you know kind of running the game and uh, ruling the game, which was which was kind of fun and and uh, you know to see a picture like that, uh, especially. Jesus, you know, that's, that's 40, 42 years ago, something, uh, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood and, and, you know, to see that and, and remember, you know, all the stadiums all around the world was, uh, you know, was kind of fun. And I just said, you know, should I, I put that up there? I said, you know, that four walked out there and we played each other. It was, you know, it, that's, that's what it turned into. It turned into a great battle and, and, uh, you know, whoever was uh, playing the best that day was going to come out on top. But, uh, it was especially that picture. Uh, it was in Madison square garden back then. So it was a, a good picture for me to see. Yeah, that, that it's a good one. So in, in the eighties, it was an MSG. I thought it looked like it could have been the cover, uh, cover of a, an album for your band. You guys look like you could have been like the band Chicago or something with your, you know, you got your plaid shirt or someone, Belindo's got a plaid shirt and you got the the bowl cut with the beard and then Bjorn's got the long hair, but no beard and, and Max on the car. Like everybody's got like kind of that, like that time period of different version of the look, you know? And so it almost looks like you're like a band, you know, like we didn't look the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's great. That's what was great. Yeah. We don't. We all had our own identity and we were our own characters and our own charisma and our own attitudes and, and, uh, and all that. And, and the mixed and the way we mixed and matched against each other was, you know, a board board needed some fire on the other side. Uh, you know, when I played Lindell, you know, we, we had a battle cause we had, we had a good rivalry and, you know, attitude against attitude and, you know, uh, me and Mac had a had a great rivalry because we didn't like each other, and yeah, you know, and, and all of that. I mean, there was always something more than just the tennis that was was going to be out there on the court when we played, and uh, that just kind of, you know, for me, you know, that, and you know, hopefully, you know, that was the same with uh, the other guys when they played me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, one question. How about we do this? Let's say you guys were a four-piece band. Who's playing what instrument? Uh, who? Let's see. <laughs> actually, that's actually a very good question. Very good question. I think that uh, McEnroe would probably be on the guitar. Uh, Borg would be on the uh, piano. Or singing, right? I feel like. Think he'd sing? Uh, he'd, be, he'd be a singer? Yeah, he might be. The, yeah. He could, yeah. I don't, I don't know if he could sing or not. <laughs> the quiet guy who writes. Now, I'm not saying like who actually is good at the instruments. I'm saying like who, who's the, the guy who's going to set the beat? Like who's the drummer? Who's the guy who's the, the craziest? He's probably going to set the beat. And then the drum, the bass line, you know, or the guitarist, you know, I don't know. I'm just, it's just for fun. Like it doesn't have to be if he's got a good voice or not. I just mean like, you know, pretend you guys were a band because it looks like a cover. It looks like the cover of a Chicago band or no, something. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think you're right with, I think you're right with Borg like that, that, that he, you'd be the quiet one, the, the one writing the music and one kind of staying in the background and letting the, the other guys be out front a little bit more. I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think for me, I, I think I wouldn't mind being on the drums, you know, that way I could get a lot of my frustration and everything like that, <laughs> out, which, would, which, which would have been good. So I like that. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I, and maybe put Lindell on the piano. Uh, yeah, that would, that would be good. But uh, I like that. Uh, but Mac but yeah, on guitar, that, that, Borg that singing. Been, that was that was that's a pretty good question, Brett. That that's a that's a good good question. I'm gonna have to think about that. We'll talk about that again. Okay, I like it. If I did it, I would say Borg singing because he's like quiet, you know, melancholy, but you know, inside a lot's probably going on. So then he writes all the good lyrics. Mac on guitar because he likes playing guitar. You as the drummer, getting out everything, and then uh, Lindell on bass. How's that? Lindell looks like the tall bass player. Yeah, like yeah. every band has a tall bass player. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, right. I don't know. The only thing, the only thing we got, I got to ask you, think we'd have had any hits? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> yeah, a few. Yeah, it would have been great. All right. Um, let's, yeah. let's wrap up. Anything you, you, what are you doing the rest of the day? Anything fun? I got to get in the shower and, and get going. Now I've been gone for a couple of days, so I'm back to work and uh, it, it's starting to rain up here now. So, Got to take care of a few things uh, before the rain comes. And uh, yeah, just kind of taking it easy. And uh, once again, thanking all our listeners for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed, you know, our last number of uh, a podcast. And don't forget to follow us on, uh, you can follow me at Jimmy Connors on Twitter and uh, at uh, ADV Connors, uh, at Brett underscore Connors. That's me. That sounds good. Follow you yeah. on your Facebook page. You can follow at Gold Dude Isabella. All that stuff. Any yeah, one last thing, if you're looking for something to watch, the fourth and final season of Secession started on Sunday. We're big Secession fans here in LA. I know you haven't gotten into it with mom, but I think you should. It's pretty, pretty good. Uh, Brian Cox, who's kind of the main star, the dad is amazing, um, and it's got a bunch of. I other... like him. He's a great, great actor. I like him. Great actor. I like him a lot. He was in Super Troopers, which was also another great movie. Um, uh, what's his name? Culkin. Kieran. Is it Kieran Culkin? I think he's great as Roman. There's a bunch of great uh, actors and actresses in it. Check it out. It's fun. Uh, every Sunday night, I think it, uh, you know, on HBO. Um, so that's it. I'm going to get in the shower. I'm going to do the ad read and I'm going to get to work and watch some tennis. Get to it. Thanks for having me on again, brother. I love you. And uh, be careful today. And, uh, and I'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. Glad that you're home and you made it home safe. Tell mom hi. And I'll check in with you guys tomorrow. Love you. Peace. Bye. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.